Well, hello everyone and welcome back to Radio Entrepreneurs and we continue to stream stories of entrepreneurship, leadership uh, through this ever-changing economy. Uh, and uh, we look forward to continuing to do that. Our next guest is Joanna Brocker, owner and principal of Biopharma Law Group. Uh, welcome, Joanna. Thank you. I'm, I look forward to speaking with you. Uh, me too. Uh, I think we're gonna talk about two things today. I wanna hear about your practice and uh, also hear about uh, your recent book. So why don't we start with your practice? Because that's pretty unique. Sure, so as you mentioned, my law firm is called Biopharma Law Group. We're a virtual law firm made up of a couple of attorneys, myself. Um, then we have a couple of attorneys down in the DC area and one attorney out in California. Um, and what we do, we're, we were all senior attorneys at different, um, law firms as well as being in-house and I think we all had the same idea that we wanted to provide really good service to primarily the startup community or early stage life science companies so we kind of came together and um, we've been working we've had the privilege of working with a lot of interesting companies primarily in the biotech and pharma spaces. Well, was there an event or was it always your goal to sort of break off on your own this entrepreneurial instinct that you had? I think I always had that instinct and I always had in my mind that I wanted to start my own practice, but I think it kind of came out of necessity more so than anything else. Um, I had moved to Rochester, New York um, a couple of years ago and in Rochester, there just really isn't a deep um, patent law practice, especially in the biotech and pharma spaces. So I found myself working for the only biotech company in town, which was a, an amazing experience. And I was their in-house counsel for a couple of years but I wanted to do more with that. And then when I had an opportunity to kind of start taking on my own clients, I decided to just venture off and try to open my own practice. Very nice. And how long ago was that? Almost seven years. So, so any big surprises starting your own practice? Oh, every day is a surprise. Right. Every day is a surprise, I feel like especially in the patent space where you just have so many different things that you have to think of, not only doing the work for the clients, but also managing the portfolio on the back end. So whenever I review a contract for someone, usually I review the contract, I send it back to them, we negotiate it with the other party, and then that contract is pretty much over with. But with patents, you file the patent, then you have to monitor all the filings and all of the documents that come in from the US Patent Office, you have to monitor deadlines, you have to monitor all sorts of um, fees and um, managing the foreign associates. So there's a lot that comes with the practice of patent law in general. And had I known how difficult it was gonna be, I don't know if I would have actually undergone this whole adventure. But you know, this uh, most entrepreneurs say that to me that they don't know, they didn't know what they were getting themselves into, but they also say they couldn't go back. If I were to offer you a position to go back to be an employee in a law firm now, what would you say to me? I probably would turn you down. Right. So I, I've gotten accustomed to, to handling this. I really love being out on my own. I love um, being able to work with a wide range of different clients in different spaces. We have everything from vaccine clients to uh, medical device clients to purely um, small molecule clients. So kind of the the whole range 
of clients in the space. And it is just really interesting being able to work on your own. It also gives me a chance to teach. I teach at Cornell now. I used to teach at Harvard. Um, I've also written a couple of books and I am I speak at different conferences. So I think if I were to take an offer to work at a firm full-time, um, I wouldn't be able to, to do as much of the other stuff that I really, really enjoy doing. Well, I think that's a good point. You're able to structure your career the way you want to do it, not the way someone else wants you to do it. So you mentioned your exactly. book. So why, don't, why don't we get into your books? Uh, were you always a writer or is this something you acquired over time also? I think I acquired it over time. When I started working for the law firm in Boston, um, the partners that I worked with really uh, tried to encourage everyone to write articles so that we could promote our practice and to try to spread the word about what's happening in the patent space. So I did a lot of writing my first couple of years of being an associate. Um, and it's something I really, really enjoyed doing. But then I ended up uh, teaching at, at Harvard and I had to put a course syllabus for that class. And there was really nothing like that course out there that I, I, I knew of, and there was certainly no book out there about it. So it kind of dawned on me one day that maybe I should turn the syllabus into a book. And that was my first book that came out at the end of, I think, 2013. And after writing that book, it actually took me a while to get back into writing. I think I kind of exerted all of my energy in putting that book together. So then a couple of years ago, I wanted to come out with a resource for entrepreneurs and tech startups, um, something that is not so heavily based in legalese and case law and really, you know, just too much legal jargon for people jargon. to consume. So I, I came out with the second book, Billion Dollar Patents, and um, I really wanted it to just be a resource for non-patent people. And I wanted to translate what happens in our patent space to people who are not normally in that world. And that's, oh. that's the premise behind that book. Who are the best readers of the book? Would it be the academics? Would it be uh, other attorneys? Maybe all of the above? Would it be entrepreneurs? Who, who would you recommend the book to? Primarily entrepreneurs. I think academics would find the book not um, heavy enough on the academic side of patent law. Um, I think lawyers, I th um, if they're non-patent lawyers, I think they would find it useful because in general, I find that people who are not familiar with patent law are intimidated by patent law. It's a completely different world than other areas of law. And I think it would be useful for them, but I think my primary aud audience is really entrepreneurs and people getting into the world of a tech startup. Right. We've been speaking with Joanna Brocker, owner and principal of Biopharma Law. Uh, what, what would you think the biggest takeaways from your book are? I think in general, the biggest misconception people tend to have about a patent is that when you have a product, you want to get a patent on it. And it's kind of a one and done deal. You file the patent, you prosecute it, and hopefully you get it, then you can hang the patent on your wall. And so I think a lot of people kind of view patents as this, you know, one-time expense. Um, but that's not the case. As we're seeing in general, just with the changes in patent laws occurring constantly, either through the court system, through the patent office, through government, I think patents have to um, constantly be looked at and reviewed. And you have to try to keep thinking of how can you approve upon that patent? What else can you 
tried to patent in order to protect your space in the market? Or how do you protect yourself from a potential competitor? Or even better yet, with all of the changes in patent laws, you have to try to see what's coming from the courts. You have to see what's coming from the patent office and try to see if your patent is still good in view of those new decisions. So you may have to file another patent with a new set of claims, or you might have to tweak the existing claims. So it's, it's constantly this living being that you have to look at and nurture in order to really end up with something that's going to be um, an asset for you and your company down the road. So, you know, you're right. Writing a book can be quite difficult. I've had that experience uh, for some of us. Oh, yeah. And uh, I'm just wondering, would there be another book in the future that you're thinking about? Right now, I am thinking about updating my previous book. So the one that I wrote in 2013, because I feel like even since then, the laws have changed in so many areas, and that's not covered in my book. And there are some other areas of patent law, such as antitrust, that are becoming more popular. Also, not covered in my original book. So I think that has to be my focus next, which is to update that so it's a more useful resource for people. Well, Joanna, you really sound like a busy person. I like that. Those are my favorite type of people. <laughs> if someone is looking for you, for your book or for uh, Biopharma Law, how would they find you? We have a website. It's just biopharma.com. Um, the people could contact me on that website or they could just contact me with my email address, which is just jbrocker at biopharmalaw.com. Um, my book is on Amazon, so that should be easily accessible to most. Great. I want to thank you for being on the show today. We look forward to uh, seeing you in uh, future segments of uh, Radio Entrepreneurs, maybe talking about some cases. So uh, remind everybody, this is Radio Entrepreneurs, and we've been speaking with Joanna Brocker, owner of Biopharma Law. My name is Jeffrey Davis. I'm also CEO of Mage LLC, management consulting firm here in the Boston area. And uh, we're going to take a break. We'll be right back. <laughs> 